I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. some not forgotten and some unforgettable moments who have taken place in the ring. I'm Kevin Byrne and this week we're joined by the husband and wife team, Christina and Frick McMahon, to discuss a great win for Christina in Africa in 2015. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Thank you. Um, how are you keeping? How's lockdown treating you? Lockdown has been quite good to us um, and thank God everybody around us was safe and once everybody was safe, it was quite positive because... It gave us a break that we never had in mm. um, 20 years of competing and setting up our own business. has been a, a hectic few years and um, just getting that, um, I suppose, break with no guilt, I suppose, that you had to take off all the government rules. It just left it that you actually had to relax and it's something we both realized we needed to do. Yeah. Now, Christina, five years ago, on the same night that the eyes of the world were on Las Vegas in boxing, you were undertaking the biggest fight of your career at the time as well, when you travelled to Zambia to take on Catherine Peary for the WBC Interim Bantamweight World Championship. How did that all come about? I think I'll let Frick discuss that because my manager and probably the reason it all came about anyway. It kind of came about a little bit true to from other stuff that didn't happen, there was previous um, contracts signed for other fights, for two WBC title fights previously, and they didn't happen. And uh, basically, I think it was more guilt on the, <laughs> the WBC's part. They, they felt guilty that the other fights didn't go through. Although it wasn't all the WBC's fault, but they give Christine this fight. Um, I think we got about eight weeks' notice, I think it was, on it. Um, and we took it. Again, it was a tough, it was a tough task. Uh, at the start, but um, we took it. Um, Chris Malunga was the Malunga was the promoter in Zambia, and he made contact with us. And it all happened fairly quickly. Then an interesting happened as well. Through we got a phone call from Anthony Doran uh, from Dublin, Anthony's from Zambia, and his mum rang him to to say, you know, there's big news here. There's some Gareth Marlin coming over to fight there, uh, Catherine Fury. Now at the time, Catherine Fury like was kind of the Katie Taylor of Zambia, if you know what I mean. She was, you know, a big name over there. And uh, Andy didn't know us directly. He knew us through Jimmy Upton. So uh, Andy rang and started talking to us. So Andy came down and met us. And then Andy actually traveled the trip with us over to, over to Zambia. And he was a brilliant help to us because he spoke the language. He actually knew some of the officials from being over there and said the, the commissioner, you know, the boxing commissioner he knew him personally. Uh, to his own contacts, and I think when we landed into the airport and got off the plane, we met Malonga and his team, and uh, you know he got a book <laughs> with somebody with us that could speak the language and actually knew the people who were with him, which we thought was which was very interesting. 
you know? Yeah. What were your first impressions of Zambia Lusaka? Loved it. Yeah, we had a good experience of it. We it was really a beautiful experience because the people were very um were very friendly and they were very nice and very little did them. So um like I suppose it was kind of very like what Ireland was years ago, you know. Um very simple. Simplicity went a long way over there. And um sure we were like heroes, um, to be honest with you over there as well. And Instead of acting like a hero, I I think it kind of grounded us, and and we became more like them, more part of their society, and we were there for a good ten days, where we yeah. loved it. Um, something that was really unusual was that in Zambia, like forty is extremely old. It is old here in Ireland, but in Zambia, you're dying in your forty, and for a girl to come over forty to fight a twenty-three year old would have been a shock to that society. And we did two uh, different TV interviews over there. And that would have been, I suppose, the biggest question. Why would you think at 40 you can fight? And she's only 23. And we had some fun on TV. And it ended up then that I got a great following of my own because all the women in uh, Zambia took a liking to the interviews and give them hope. And it, it, even though it was catching fairy hometown, I think the hope of age not being an issue created some buzz over there and created for me, obviously, but it created for them as well. And uh, I think that gives hope on age over there. And it was a lovely atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, Frick, I believe you were in charge of all admin. So you were probably booking flights, hotels and everything. Did you have any hassle or wh- where did you guys rock up and where did you stay for the week? What was the place like? I can't remember the name hotel, but it was kind of was like one of the top hotels in, in Lusaka. The hotel was first class, you know, we were treated really, really well. We had a driver available to us. And in fairness, we couldn't have been treated any better. We couldn't have asked for more, you know, Chris Furness team uh, looked after us really, really. There's no issues with that. Um, they booked and paid for the flights in advance. We didn't have to do that. They organized the accommodation, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was a limo from the airport. So it was basically treated really, really well. There was no issues whatsoever. Treated very, very well. Obviously, when it came to the medical center, the medical checks, they wanted to do things that, you know, we had already done with med, they wanted to take blood and all that sort of stuff, but that's kind of, they do that anyway, I think it's sort of a standard procedure to try and knock you off, so uh, we we had to stand up a little bit and say, listen, we've read everything on the medical side, I think, before we travelled, you know, we weren't going to start them sticking syringes in Christine at that stage, like, you know, yeah. no disrespect for our standards of hygiene or whatever, but um, all that stuff had been taken care of and we had to put up a bit of a, a you know, stance and say, listen, that's been done. He's agreed on this and we're not doing it again, sort of stuff. But that, that happens, you know, it's part of the process, you know. But no, they, they treat very, very well, really, really well. And regarding training, did you get yourself to a traditional gym in the city or did you did you use the place in the hotel or what did you do to sharpen up, get ready before you went? The fourth hall that was outside the hotel. Yeah, just the hotel. The hotel facilities, but it was fine. Like, because Christina was, you know, on a wait and... It was just a matter of doing a little shadow box and just keeping sharp, keeping the food right, hydration right. Yeah. What was the what was the food like? Did you remember what you were eating for fight week? Did you have to change your diet or did you bring over a few pot noodles or what did you do? <laughs> the food was one of the, the ingredients to the success. Um, over there when they have their breakfast they have a lot of vegetables with their breakfast like you know you mentioned here in Ireland sometimes uh, you don't have um, or that you have 
uh, salad for breakfast or vegetables for breakfast or greens for breakfast. People kind of look at you. It's not a cereal. It's not toast. It's not bacon. And over there, their breakfasts were very wide. So you could have your bacon. You could have your bread. But you could also have a lot of vegetables. Like I was eating carrots and celeries for breakfast. So the start of my day was extremely healthy. And I was able to eat really well over there. Food, uh, vegetable and fruit was extremely um, ripe and really nice to eat. So I ate a lot of good greens for the whole week. Well, that's great. And did you did you notice that uh, the increased? I remember at the time in 2015, there was a massive interest in boxing on account of Mayweather Pacquiao was taking place. Did you notice that people were radiating more towards boxing at the time because of the increase in interest? And did that rub off on you, or did you feel? Uh, oh no, my biggest fight and some of the spotlight is over in Las Vegas. How did you feel about it? No, I was extremely oblivious to what I was doing. Um, totally green in the eye of what I was about to achieve. Um, to me, I was in the kickboxing world of fighting and I've won the world gold and it took me 10 years to win that gold. And that, to me, was a massive achievement in my career to win a world kickboxing wacko medal, which is the highest prestige medal you can win in that sport. And therefore, anything I did in boxing, to me, was a bonus. I ended up in the professional game, the first licensed by the BUI. Um, any other girl before me had to travel abroad to uh, box for Ireland because there was no such thing as licensing women. Um, in Belfast, a Deidre girl um, um, fought her corner, won her, her way forward to getting licensed, and then didn't fight after it. Um, mm. Whereas Deirdre Nelson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the, these people fought those battles before me. And therefore, when I went looking for a license for the first time in Ireland as a professional woman, um, it was plain sailing, and um, I got what I needed to do, and then we had to learn the trade and learn how to train for this. And um, we we were that green in the sport that we also taught the the team I was with, uh, Phil Sutcliffe. Then we all taught us two, uh, sorry, three minute rounds, not two minute rounds, and all those things had to be ironed out. We were learning as we were going along, um, because I fought world level in kickboxing, world level in boxing didn't frighten me. Um, mm. I wanted to fight the best. I was running out of age, and I wanted to I wanted to challenge myself. However, what I wasn't green on is the level of a sportswoman. I didn't underestimate who I was getting in with, and never did. Um, so I knew I was up for a high time. And therefore, behind the scenes, I trained very hard. I yeah. hadn't eaten sugar in two years. My food was to a T. So while I was 40, I was like a very young 40. I was very young in age by my, I suppose, my body. And therefore, I think that's what stood to me when it came to the time. What to do behind the scenes is what comes out in the front at the end of the day. The actual procedure, completely oblivious to it. It's actually, Bertha said to me, coming home, Christina, you better be ready for this, because he was getting all the calls and interviews. And I still didn't cop what was going on. That's yeah. Um, going into the fight, you were six and zero with three knockouts, uh, and Catherine, your opponent, was ten and zero with five knockouts. Uh, mm -hmm. She, her recent form was dangerous. She had four knockouts in her last five performances, and I read an interview earlier on where she said she was kind of scouring the internet looking for footage of you, and I'm sure you're doing likewise. Did you get to see much footage of her? And also, I'd imagine she struggled to see much footage of you because I remember being at most of your early fights, and they took place in. You know, two in the city west, two in 
the National Basketball Arena. I think it was the Devonish and the Fairways Hotel in Dundalk. Actually, that was another one. Yeah. But there wouldn't most of those wouldn't have had footage. They weren't televised. This is kind of small hall Ireland boxing. So she would have struggled to see you. But did you struggle to see her? You see, the thing that in my kickboxing career, and and every athlete knows this, we all scour the internet to look at our opponents. And some people say they don't do that because it doesn't matter what the other person does, it matters what they do. Well, my husband, my coach, has a totally different belief on that. If you have no idea getting in there, then you have to spend your time in the first and second and third round deciding whether they're even left or right stance, what their favorite move is, what they do, where the mistakes are. And I had a great husband and coach behind me studying all those things. So, of course, you go looking for these people. And we did find only one video, but it was enough to see the goods and to see that I was going to be up against a very strong opponent. We could see where her strengths are and we could see where her weaknesses are. Therefore, over the years, my husband would not let me put anything belonging to me. You will not find my world titles in kickboxing. You will not find my Irish titles. And every one of them was recorded in videos. There's none of them on the internet. In fact, there was one where I won the world and it's against a Hungarian and you can go into it and it's cut because we asked them to take it down. You just see the tube was warming up on the mat and then all of a sudden it's gone. So uh, if you want to study me, you have to come fight me. Yeah. Frick, can you give us a bit more of an explanation of your thinking behind that? that? Yeah. Well, the less, the less information somebody has on somebody, you know, the better. Because, you know, I know from my, I, I consider one of my own strengths is... When I see somebody boxing a couple of times, I can figure out their strengths and their weaknesses. So I don't want to give that opportunity to the coach of the uh, of my or Christina's opponent, so they can try and figure out, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses. Now, we had a lot of trouble to find footage of, of Catherine Fury at the time, and it was just through a contact in in Germany, who there was a German girl who boxed her previously, and I chased up a, a couple of German contacts that I had, and eventually, after three or four phone calls, I got to somebody who had footage. But it took a little bit of chasing, and it took a couple of weeks to get the footage. But through you know contacts in the sport, and through contacts in kickboxing as well, that actually knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and I got the footage. But it took a bit of digging to get the footage. But it was invaluable footage when we got it. You know. I'm just wondering what lessons did you take from the footage? What, what was the game plan going in? Because you're fighting in hostile territory. You're the UA fighter. You know the judges are going to be against you, and you're fighting against a woman who's. 17 years younger or thereabouts and yeah. so she's got you know she's going to be extremely strong extremely tough the home fighter undefeated knockout streak the lot what are the game what's the game plan how do you yeah, pick this woman apart you know the, the the one thing you could see the opponent she had previously no disrespect to them she was fit to go forward 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 all the time she was never put on the back foot but she was allowed to control the fight and bully them from the start so she was a bit flat-footed, so we knew from her feet that she couldn't move very, very fast. So she was kind of slow-footed, but she was very fa- fast hands and, and very strong. But we knew that her movement would be limited, and we knew that it was worth a challenge to try and put her on the back foot because she was never on the back foot. I suppose it's a bit like Tyson Fury and, and uh, Deontay Wilder last time. He put Wilder on the back foot, which Wilder wasn't used to. So we knew these couple of things was a chance to work, and it just gave us that opportunity that we knew that she was going to be strong and she was fast hands, but we knew her limit, her footwork wasn't, you know, up there, and we knew that she maybe wouldn't have the speed of foot to 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 come in and out fast. So that was kind of the main thing that I would have seen from the footage, uh, Kevin, which was, you know, important. Yeah. Uh, who did who did you start to prepare for the fight? Uh, 
McKenna. Young Aaron and, and Stephen McKenna and <laughs> Gary McKenna, basically. And thank heavens, because they really pressurised me and they've been, they were such a help to me and, you know, they give me the hard hits that when I was in the ring in Africa that I was well fit to cope with. Yeah. And obviously those three bo- or those two two boys, Aaron and Stevie McKenna, are going places in uh, world boxing at the minute. Oh, that um, was my help, Kevin. That was my help. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what, what, you you, what do you recall about the uh, the Mulungushi Conference Center uh, on the day of the fight? Were you nervous? Um, how did you show? How long before the fight did you show up? And what was the feeling in the arena? It was good. It was a very old arena, so it was like concrete seats up on the on the balconies and stuff like that. And it was just flat seats on the floor. We went down in the afternoon to have a look at the place and check it out, change rooms and all that sort of stuff. The ring was the ring was very poor. The ring was very little um, padding underneath the canvas between the canvas and the wood, which we complained about. And actually, we found uh, screws sticking up through the canvas, like so it was like. You know, steel nails that weren't screwed down properly. Like if someone, if a trip on a person, you fell on a bang your head or bang your elbow or bang some part of your body, you'd be very badly injured. So we, we had to, we had to put up a, you know, a strong argument. One of the judges, you know, was saying it was okay, but Ian John Lewis, in fairness to him, Ian John Lewis was the, the referee. And in fairness to Ian John Lewis, he accepted that it wasn't good enough, and he kind of helped insist that it was sorted. And in fairness, they did fix it, but the ring was a very was a very shoddy affair, Kevin. It was very, very well, shoddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the ropes were a bit were loose as well. But also, it was very high up at the bottom. And you know, um, uh, you know the older the lighting system, sometimes there's more heat out of them than light. <laughs> it was this sort of an example where it was just like, once you got into the ring, the heat in the ring was, was savage because the lights were really old lights. As I said, more heat than light coming out of them. You know? Yeah. Was it an intimidating spot, Christina? Um, yes, but I, I excel in that, Kevin. Um, of course it was. like This is a complete different community, different country. There's no one else there. Um, you know, the ambassador of Ireland was attending. Um, that was it. That was nice to see when you look down another you know, guy from Ireland sitting there with his wife. Um, I remember walking in and just thinking, I have a job. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply here to do and I just get on I was very focused actually probably the most focused I don't think I was as focused after that because you know um, going to the other countries I think my confidence was a wee bit knocked from what can happen when you're away it was my, my first experience of 
the whole what happens in the professional boxing at that level and therefore when you start knowing the information then you become a little bit more aware and, and, and confidence is not but going into that fight that was my I, I felt that the two years that I was getting ready that I was getting ready for a reason that I had told nobody it was my own reason it was air reason it was air dream and I felt this was it and, and I have a job to do and this girl is very yeah. very very tough what were your first impressions when you started trading punches? Did you feel the power, or did you say this is my opportunity to dish out a bit? You know, you know, you kind of know something when the first punches land. What were your, what did you know? Well, I'll give you kind of a laugh because this is genuinely what I thought in the first round. Um, we were given a chauffeur that had to stay with us for the whole week. Um, does a gentleman part of their team, probably in his fifties, and he was a wee bit naughty. If I was being honest with you, but. He started telling us what Catherine was going to get. You know, he's going to get a car for winning this. And she's going, he was playing mind games all the time. And I said, you know, very quickly, like, well, you know, will they still give her a car when she loses? You know, I, I was worried about, will she not get what she wants if she loses? Like, that's a sad situation for her. And there was a lot of banter like that for the week. And while he was quite serious, we ended up laughing a lot because no matter what he said, I always had an answer. But um, one of the things he said that she was down all morning before the fight, um, getting ready and, you know, this voodoo doll stuff and all that kind of thing. She was with a witch doctor that morning. She was morning. with a witch doctor that morning and she was this and she's that. And I am not joking. When I was in the first round, I said, they used that bloody voodoo doll on me. <laughs> oh, my God, this was hitting like a plank. I was looking for my seat after the first round. She hit me that hard in the first round. I was wondering where my seat was. I didn't know which corner I belonged to. And I'm telling you, only for the training with the McKenna's and the hard grass and the hard spars, I wouldn't have been able to cope with that, you know, that type of way. But it was pure, pure training and pure relentlessness and pure not giving up for two years that got me through that first round. I and mean, if you get me through the first round, I'm there for the 10. You cannot get rid of me. At what stage did you feel that you started to implement your tactical, uh, you know, initiative on her and, and take the upper hand? Well, um, she came out in the fourth round, guns blazing, because I couldn't believe that I was still there after three rounds at the age of 40. So, um, they, and funny, it's when you listen back to the whole uh, program that they did live on TV, you can actually hear them saying, and the 40-year-old is still here. So, they, you know, there was a plan, and the, her plan was to go for the knockout in the fourth round. And the more she put into it and the more she missed, the more she broke. So she broke in confidence when she couldn't get rid of me. So my whole thing was to be relentless, not get, not let her get rid of me. That gave me a lot of energy, but she wasted a lot of energy. Round six, they did the same. And they actually, uh, afterwards, I couldn't believe the rounds weren't finished. And I found out afterwards, if you watch it, they put it a three-minute round. That was another tactic to get rid of me. One round was two minutes, 40 seconds. Yeah, nearly make it three well, okay. minutes. Oh, yeah, there's another tactic used, and that was also get rid of the 40-year-old. She'd run out of steam. So as this was all happening, Catherine was actually the one running out of steam, and I was getting better. My engine was a lot better. So um, in the seventh and eighth round, she had to get, get her gloves fixed consistently. This sweet bit of uh, a tape on the glove had to be fixed, and it was taking quite a while. In round eight, then, um, you, you're given the scores, and they were very, very close. Um, I couldn't believe I was losing at that stage, even though it was close. Because on round four, five, six, and seven, now, I was hammering Catherine at this stage, you know, scoring really, really well. And I hadn't lost the first three rounds while they were close. So um, 
a funny thing had happened. I know people talk about the sense of belief, but when I fought up in Belfast, I fought a fantastic fight. It was the night of my grandfather's removal, and I didn't want to let the crowd down, and I didn't tell anybody on the night that he had passed away because I said, well, sympathy doesn't win fights, and I'm here to do a job, and I'll be at the funeral tomorrow, and Granda wanted me to do this because he's into boxing. And when I was leaving, leaving for Africa, Paul, my coach, said to me, listen, take your granddad with you because if you fight like you did in Belfast, you'll fight like a world champion. So when I was leaving for to go to Zambia, um, my granddad's bookmark actually fell on the table in the kitchen. And I said to Frick, oh, God, we better take this with us. And I kind of half joking, to be honest with you. So took the bookmark, and the exact same thing happened in the hotel. Just as we were leaving to go to the show, uh, the bookmark fell out of my bag when I was getting everything uh, together to take with me. And I said to Frick, take the bookmark with you. And he put it in his lower pockets of his trousers. In the eighth round, for some reason, when he, when he bent down to get the ice, he's a GoPro camera, and you can see it happening. The bookmark fell out of his pocket, and he held it up to me in the ring. And I'm standing in the corner, frustrated that she's wasting time getting her gloves fixed. She needs a break. I don't need a break. I'm motoring here. I need to finish this job, and I'm feeling great. And he held up the thing and said, Chrissy, and he just held it up. And you see, for the last two rounds, they could not give me, they couldn't not give me the fight. I, I'd say another 10 seconds, she was knocked out. We're 10 seconds, I'd say, short of time to knock her out completely. So it was just something that happened to me. And it was, I don't know whether it was spiritual. I'm not a very, very holy, holy person. But I do believe in something out there. So it sounds like a battering at the end of, at the, end of the fight, Christina. And you must be pretty happy with, with how the last two rounds have gone. Because three judges, one from Zimbabwe, one from Montenegro, and one from Ghana, uh, as they're about to read out the scores, Frick, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, <laughs> you're obviously going to be pretty nervous because of the old hometown type thing, but, you know, we knew she clearly won the eighth, the ninth round, and she knew it was nearly a stoppage in the tenth, so, you know, we knew if to if, if give it as it happened, she I knew she won it, but that doesn't always happen, so I, I knew she didn't have to win it, whether we got it or not, I could never be sure, you know, so... So it was a catchy little bit of time until the decision was called. But I knew the way he called the cards because he called the red corner first. I knew the way he called the scores that she had before to give her name. Okay, so the, the judge from Zimbabwe scores at 96-94 to Christina. Montenegro, 95-95. And the judge from Ghana, 97-94. And Christina has the title. There's wild scenes in the ring afterwards. Famous picture of Christina being held, shoulder high aloft. How did it feel? There was some buzz there, <laughs> and in fairness, you know, the crowd applauded Christina. There was no issue with the crowd. The crowd took it really, really well. Christina went bowed, bowed to the to the crowd, and she got a you know standing ovation off the crowd as well, which was which was nice. Like this doesn't always it doesn't always happen that way. But in fairness, they were very fair about the whole thing. Yeah. Do Do you want to listen into an African report, or is, would you like to listen into a Zambian report from from the fight? Go on. <laughs> WBC. World Boxing Council fight between Zambia's Catherine P. It was the battle of the elite at Mulongoshi International Conference Center on Saturday night involving Catherine Piri of Zambia and Christina McMahon of the Republic of Ireland. The two were fighting for the World Boxing Council WBC interim gold bantamweight title. Both entered the ring as favorites because they had kept a clean sheet 
with Catherine winning all the previous 10 fights and Christina winning all the previous six fights. With the home ground advantage, Catherine started so well in the earlier rounds with her fans chanting her on. However, with the experience that the 40-year-old Irish boxer has gathered over the years, she gained momentum and stability each round that passed. At the end of 10 rounds, it was still tight and very difficult to predict who would win. After judges put together all the scores, it was Christina who emerged victorious via a unanimous point decision. 95-95, judge 2. 94-97, Judge 3, 95-96, and the winner and the WBC champion, Christina McMahon! Wow, so the result has come through, and uh, Christina McMahon has been... This result dented Catherine's record, as she now has 11 fights, 10 wins, and one loss, but the 22-year-old boxer is not bothered as she feels she is still young and can aspire for more glory. A boxer has to expect a win and a lose, so it's, uh, I think it's time has come for me to lose. I'm not, uh, I'm not discouraged by this lose. I know there's still another promotion. I'm going to make it. Christina now boasts of seven fights, all wins, and has the gold title on top, but she has admitted that Catherine was the toughest fighter she has met in 20 years. Catherine Perry is the hardest opponent I faced in 20 years. And I hope Africa look after her because she's going to be world champion. She's 23 and she's going to be world champion before she's 24. I bet you any money. Brings it all flooding back, I'm sure. Well, do you know what happened then? I was promised to go to Mexico to fight the actual world champion and Catherine was sent instead of me and she knocked her out. Catherine knocked okay. Mexican out in six rounds. And Christina McMahon was left at home again. <laughs> what did you well, well, when you did get home, you got a fantastic homecoming in Carrick McCross. How did that come about and what do you recall from it? That again was very funny because I love this particular coffee in town, in Home Bay Cafe. And I said to Frick, oh, I'm just looking forward to a Home Bay Cafe coffee. And he said, you're not going in there this morning. And I said, yeah. Uh, why? And he said, geez, you won't be able to get up the town. Oh, God, I was telling you, I was glad I didn't go up the town because the following night they had something um, organized and see for the next three or four weeks, yeah, sure, look, at you couldn't go past. It's lovely. My town acknowledged it and everybody stopped to chat and there'd be something wrong if they didn't, I suppose. You know, it, it was um, be worse if they were ignoring you, but, yeah, I couldn't really go up the town to get the groceries for a long time after because you'd never get home. And, and, I, and that's the beautiful part about my town, to get behind whoever's doing whatever they're doing. And um, it was something I was extremely proud of, to be honest with you. And the first place we went to, instead of going up the town, was up to see my senior coach, Paul McCullough, who was in hospital at the time. And God rest him, has passed since. And without Paul McCullough, I wouldn't have done this. So, you know, my husband believed in him, I believed in him, and we were a great team. And his son, Sean, travelled with us. And without the McCullers, Christina McMahon wouldn't be interim world champion today. So just want to acknowledge Paul on that. Yeah. What sort of insight did you get from Paul on a daily basis or whenever you're with him? We called Paul a genius in boxing. Um, Paul, technically, 
was a genius. Um, and sometimes I always think, you know, some of these coaches are in the background and they don't put themselves out in a pedestal. And he was one of those really, really, really knowledgeable men in the sport of boxing. Um, one of the first things he, well, firstly, it was hard to, I suppose, be accepted into a club as a woman. But when he did accept me and saw the, the work rate I had or the ambition I had, he, he worked very much alongside me. Um, Paul was an extremely holy man and he taught me an awful lot. And um, I taught him a lot about women, I think, and, and the sport as well. And we became very, very close in the end. And I, I trusted him. And I think, I did, I think, the, the, the main ambition with a coach and a student is like, I've always had my husband, my coach, and he's, he's always my main coach. And when he trusts somebody, I trust somebody. And we, we just became a really, really good, strong team. And I think that's what makes a champion. And any champion out there who thinks they can do it on their own is a fool. Yeah. And uh, has your marriage become uh, like it? It's funny to see a husband and wife team. I suppose it's, it's maybe unusual in this, in sport or whatever, but there are a lot of female boxers who are managed or trained by their husband. I think Cindy Serrano, that Katie Taylor fought as well. Um, has it brought your relationship closer together? Do you fight, do you bicker about boxing as well, or how does it work? Uh, we don't really fight that much, which is good enough to say. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't. However, I think I'm hard to coach at times. Um, I, I think I know it all. Um, I suppose being a being an athlete, you can be selfish at times, and sometimes you forget that other person there is, is giving you a lot, and that other person can usually go home to their own house and maybe give out about you for a while, and then you get over it and you go back. Whereas when you live with somebody, who is he going to give out to? When he, you know, I think he became a quiet man for a while. <laughs> So, uh, you know, look, at he, he's he been majorly my support um, and, of course, there's arguments and sometimes mostly during the session, but by the time the session's finished, we go out as if there was never an argument. So maybe it's a good stress buster for marriages. Christina, when you, when you were boxing uh, Catherine Peary and the likes of these, these fights, you were Ireland's only female pro following in the footsteps of Deirdre Nelson, who was mentioned earlier, and Deirdre Gogarty. Um Currently now, there's a lot more uh, Irish female pros out there spearheaded by Katie Taylor. What do you make of the current scene uh, now? And you're not retired either. Do you consider yourself part of the current scene? Um, look, I, I just say never, never say never. I wouldn't say, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to retire. I'm out of retirement. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm back training a bit. Um, I love training with the girls. I love sparring with them. I love the idea of helping them, maybe advising them. Um if I can be a help to somebody, I will be, um, because that I needed it. When I was there, I needed that help. And as I said to you, you don't be a champion on your own. You need that help. So if I can be that to somebody else while I'm keeping fit myself, then that's good enough for me. Um, going back to that, yes, Katie has changed the scene to a bit. Um, do I believe that it's all changed? Absolutely not. Do I believe the money that's been made is being made? Absolutely not. Um, I know a lot of the lurky side of the game. I think I have a lot to offer on the other side of the game down the line. Um, you know, I don't think it's rosy. and I don't think it's all about being with the best people or whatever. At the end of the day, I had no promoter. I had no manager. Christina McMahon's a nobody in the game, as you know. Um, but I have achieved what a lot of people would dream of achieving 
achieving and I believe you can do it within yourself. It's all about your attitude. It's all about your dream. It's all about your goal. There's no point in having them. You're not going to work hard. I worked damn hard to get what I got. Um, and I don't accept it of my students when they're training as well. You can't just want to do something and expect it to happen. And that was the difference. It's all about you training hard to get what you want. Katie Taylor trains hard. Katie Taylor has earned what she need, what she got. She didn't get a hand to her. She didn't get teams surrounding her and helping her. She has put in the work and there are years and years and years of hard grasp and discipline that's getting her to where she is. And if people can just look at that and say, that's what's winning for Katie, then they will, they will do the same down the line.